gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Good afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Focus on the Facts. Patricia Negron is my co-host, and for the past two years, she has been my partner in crime in the battle to stop the global pedophile epidemic and child sex trafficking networks. Today, Trisha and I will continue to cover the takedown of the worldwide pedophile and sex trafficking networks. We will cover the latest news and shenanigans being pulled in exposing the Jeffrey Epstein International Child Trafficking Networks and the elite politicians, celebrities, and world leaders who are involved in this network who are set to be exposed with the release of court documents and records that have been hidden from all of us for years. In the latest court hearing, the judge said that Epstein and his attorney, Alan Dershowitz, were both involved in Epstein's international child sex trafficking network. And the victim's attorney, Paul Castle, of course, Epstein or Dershowitz denies this fully that he's not involved with any of these these underage girls. But uh, the victim's attorney, Paul Castle, said in a press conference on October 16, 2015, that there is a universe of 24 girls that Dershowitz may have sexually abused. So we'll cover the latest developments also in the Nexium sex cult and discuss the latest news out of Hollywood on the child traffic, trafficking ring of Michael Jackson after the American public allowed him to continue in plain sight for 30 years. I'll bring Trish on now, and we'll start the show by first having Trish give us the latest world news on Israel and the illegal U.S. coup in Venezuela, and then we'll move on to the battle against the pedophiles and perverts. Welcome to the show, Trish. Hi, Evelyn. It's, I'm so glad Hi. to hear there's real progress happening on this uh, Epstein case, and I'm, I'm hopeful we'll get some somewhere with it. But um, on the international front, with Israel is um, clearly gearing up for a uh, massive military assault on Gaza. They're moving all kinds of equipment up to the fence that they've installed and um, escalating. They arrested 12 Palestinians just in um, the West Bank overnight, and um, they're, they've been dropping bombs on Gaza. You know, Gaza is a city of two million Palestinians who are trapped, literally, behind a razor wire fence that is surrounded by hundreds of snipers. And these are the snipers shooting protesters at the Great Return March, which has been going on for nearly one year. This Friday will be the one-year anniversary of the Great March protest that uh, began in response to the U.S.'s illegal move of the embassy to Jerusalem. One of the key conditions upon which Israel was granted U.N. membership in 1949 was that the status of Jerusalem remained forever unchanged. And the move of the embassy uh, violated that because it declared, Trump declared Jerusalem uh, forever part of Israel. And, and so um, 
that is in addition to the other key violation that is behind this march, which is that, again, in 1948, uh, one of the conditions was that up until that time, British colonizers had already been invading Palestine. The Palestine was gifted by the British government to the Rothschilds family specifically to uh, further their Zionist agenda. It's a political agenda, and having their own sovereign state has been a key part of that. This was 1917. So between then and 1948, there were thousands of these colonizers already moving into Palestine, massacring the Palestinians and stealing their homes, driving others out of their homes. And so the second condition was the right of return. And that meant that Israel was obligated to guarantee the safe return of all those Palestinians driven from their ancestral homes, safe passage back so that they could rebuild their lives. Well, not only did that not happen, but what is called the Nakba has occurred. So starting in 1948, it only escalated from there. So now, in addition to there being refugee camps, one of which was just bombed by Israel yesterday, claiming that it was in defense against dangerous balloons. I kid you not. They were using bombs. Yeah, balloons. You just never know when one of those balloons are going to sneak up on you, right? Right. um, So this is a refugee camp, right? Palestine has no military. They do not have a single tank or fighter jet with which to defend themselves. These two million Palestinians trapped in Gaza behind this razor wire fence, surrounded by snipers, have no means of escape as those bombs are falling. And Gaza is the most densely populated city on the planet. So this is all civilians. Again, there's no military, and they're being bombed. And those bombs and jets and tanks that are being used to slaughter the Palestinian people are all paid for by the American people. So by our tax dollars. Yeah. Yep. Billions and billions every year of our taxes go to pay for these bullets and bombs that are used to slaughter women and children. So, meanwhile... Netanyahu is on the ropes politically at home. Um, He lost his coalition in the Knesset, had to dissolve it over Christmas and and call for emergency elections. He's facing indictment on corruption on three different cases. These were indictment recommendations made by his own police chief and his own attorney general has been, you know, has come forward and said that he intends to indict Netanyahu. His wife is, just went on trial in October for corruption. Right, and we've never heard the verdict on that, right? No, no. And you know what happens, Evelyn? This is what, like, the whole thing with Mueller here in the U.S. and the Russiagate nonsense, um, they're just buying time. They just try and string this stuff out as long as they can. And then it just, it lessens, you know, nothing ever comes of it as a result. And I think that, you know, people can, you know, just like this attorney general 
says he's going to indict Netanyahu, but he, at the same time, is giving Netanyahu yet another hearing to defend himself. He need, he, that's not normal process, but it's being done in this case, and he's also said it won't happen until after the election. So, I mean, they're all kicking the can down the road, but it does still at the same time confirm at what we know is the case. And as we have these announcements, it gives us the opportunity to further expose these individuals and exert pressure on them because Netanyahu is really feeling it right now. Pompeo made a special visit to bolster him ahead of the elections next month, I believe April 9th. Um, Donald Trump has now announced that they want the U.S. needs to recognize Syria's Golan Heights as Israeli territory, which is incredibly ironic because it was the day before Israel invaded the Golan Heights that it tried to sink the USS Liberty in a two-hour attack that killed three dozen American crewmen and wounded 170 others. And yet this, the U.S. is defending the same country in keeping that land. Why would they do that? Well, remember, I mentioned the Balfour Declaration and the gift of Palestine to the Rothschilds, who are the ones who are leading the Zionist movement. Um, The Rothschilds also happen to be largely in control of a company by the name of Genie Energy, which illegally bought the oil rights from Israel in 2013 for the for the Golan Heights and has been stealing the oil from the Golan Heights ever since. Uh, Jacob Rothschild, the leading Zionist behind Israel and the um, controlling interest in Genie Energy, also has control over the left-leaning side of mainstream media. So he's that that whole set of interests in the Golan Heights is very tightly protected by the billionaires who are profiting from it. And that's why the move by Donald Trump, um, it, it, you know, in direct contradiction of what the historical record shows we should be doing. So the UN had already declared the Israel's occupation of the Golan Heights and the West Bank um, as illegal. They they are have been ordered to um, leave. Same with Syria uh, leadership. Um, President Assad has made clear that he intends to to regain control of that land once and for all. And um, the, the, the global community is behind Syria on this. The U.S. is the only one um, pushing for this. And even some of our Western allies are pushing back on this. So this is yet another situation where, like the Iran non, uh, nu- nuclear deal and, some, and Jerusalem and Venezuela and all these unilateral moves that the U.S. is making have continued to um, drive a wedge between the U.S. and its historical allies in Europe. Um, six or seven nations are ignoring U.S. unilateral sanctions against Iran. 
because they simply Good. cannot, their economies are too dependent on them. And so this is, we're seeing this, um, this type of trend really accelerate as the U.S. Um, further alienates its former allies. Most recently and most interesting to me was an announcement, um, a, a statement that Pompeo made about Israel being too cozy with China now. And so we know Israel is constantly playing both sides of this, not to maintain stability, but to create instability and fracture uh, alliances and then exploit those fractures. Well, Israel has been moving closer to China and collaborating with China, unbeknownst to the U.S., and in ways that undermine U.S. sovereignty. And the whole goal all along has been that Israel would take the U.S. for everything that it's worth, in term- financially and politically. It gets, it gets um, unconditional political support from our leadership, regardless of its war crimes and regardless of what the rest of the world says and the facts dictate. And um, now it's coming back to haunt them because Israel is showing, you know, what it does best, which is to betray its allies. And now it's moving toward China, which the U.S. views as a key uh, adversary and um, is, is losing its grip on global hegemony in, in every conceivable way. Russia and China are moving to develop an alternative currency, the gold-backed yuan. They've already moved to trade with their um, partner countries in their own respective currencies. Venezuela has stopped selling their oil in dollars and is now doing it in euro. China has signaled to Saudi Arabia that it will no longer be buying its oil in U.S. dollars, which is a very significant move. I'm not sure when that will happen, but it appears to be nearing on the horizon. And uh, at the same time, remember, Putin has built this alternative financial clearinghouse system to the SWIFT system, which was controlled by the U.S. and had a monopoly on all financial transactions that occurred around the world, had to go through the system. Well, now Russia has an alternative that has actually gotten more traffic now than the U.S. system, and and countries can use it to protect themselves against having their assets stolen by the U.S., which is what the U.S. did to Libya um, with the SWIFT system. And what we see, you know, now in Venezuela, $30 billion worth of assets so far have been stolen by the U.S. through these mechanisms. Uh, The Bank of England has stolen a billion dollars worth of Venezuela's gold. Um, The U.S. has seized, has stolen um, Venezuela's U.S.-based oil assets and appointed their own board of directors and is now attempting to control those. I mean, it's just they've, they're um, obstructing the delivery of $5 billion worth of medical supplies. I mean, it just, it, it, there's no end to this. And, you know, as far as Venezuela goes, we see that while a military invasion is growing less likely um, because 
Columbia as well as the Lima Group, which is based out of Canada, have both signaled that they're not willing to support a military invasion. There are still very active assassination attempts and covert operations underway that are being led by the U.S. in Venezuela. So right. I was so happy. We- I think it was yesterday when I seen that that, that Russia is sending troops and aid to Venezuela. You know that yes. uh, I was so excited. I thanked my thank Putin in my comment when I posted it. You know, thanks for saving another country from the U- illegal U.S. coups. Yeah, so. I mean, and um, in fact, in December, Russia sent two bombers to Venezuela just as a sign of support. And and Putin has pledged to help defend Venezuela. And I mean, the truth of the matter is, um, Venezuela, in addition to having the world's largest oil reserves, and remember, too, you know, people forget that Venezuela, it was um, Chavez who gave free oil to the poor here in the United States when he was um, president. We right. the U.S. was letting those people free, but Venezuela came to the aid of Americans and sent, you know, tons and tons of free oil for heating in the winter. Yeah, so, yeah, I think it was like I think they supplied oil that um, helped like five hundred thousand Americans. I think that yes. was when Obama cut cut back on um, cut back on fuel assistance for um, yes, cut back and, the program on fuel assistance. And so then yes. Chavez stepped up. Yeah. And Robert Kennedy oversaw, Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. oversaw right, that program. Right. So, you know, one of the right. things that we've been learning is we have had now two separate um, news teams, journalist teams, who have come back from Venezuela after spending a month there, one last summer and the other team just this February, literally looking for homeless and could not find a single homeless person an entire month after looking for them in Venezuela. Wow. One of the individuals who was in the team last year has family in Venezuela and she she herself reported that, you know, during the Bolivarian Revolution, which was started by Chavez and carried forward by Maduro, was that critical poverty was reduced from forty percent to six to seven percent before the U.S. sanctions. It has risen back to about 20 percent because of the U.S. sanctions. And we know for a fact that it is only the U.S. sanctions that are harming Venezuela right now because it is only food for which the prices have skyrocketed. All other necessities are still very affordable and and there is no inflation there, which tells you that all domestically sourced materials are still um, very affordable and available. So it's strictly what they have to import that has become um, exorbitantly priced. And, and what was described by these journalists is that, you know, where there were many people who were overweight in Venezuela previously, that they can't afford meat as often. And so many have lost weight and are now a healthy weight instead of being overweight. And certainly they should not be suffering because of U.S. sanctions. But the bottom line, oh, the other thing was that Ben Norton was the other guy who spent a a month in Venezuela recently and could not find any homeless people. And he saw no people eating out of garbage cans, but reported upon returning to New York 
that within 24 hours he saw tons of people homeless and eating out of garbage cans. So the whole notion oh, absolutely. That, you know, I mean, the United States to say, you know, people in other countries have it bad. Look at this country. I was I was watching uh, videos over the last few days about the homeless population. It's outrageous in this country. In this country, the homeless half. People. Yes, half of our country lives at or near poverty. If we were looking at straight statistics about other countries and um, really, you know, serious poverty rates, we would be at the top. When you're looking at Afghanistan, um, Gaza, you know, Palestine, and all those other countries, you're looking at 30, 40, 50% poverty rates, which are extraordinarily high. That's what we have here. Part of the whole, you know, propaganda thing is that not only misrepresenting countries abroad, but misrepresenting what our own country is. I mean, we have an extremely serious homeless problem, and many of those homeless are working full-time and still can't afford to, to pay for housing. So, And these are families. I mean, it just is absurd. And so that whole thing has been exposed, but the problem is, the U.S. is now, as of Monday, occupying the embassy in Venezuela against the Geneva Conventions. And if you recall, Evelyn, it was in the Benghazi embassy where that um, weapons smuggling program was going on to Libya and then to Syria, where Ambassador Stevens was killed. And this was the gun smuggling program that um, Serena Shim uncovered three months after Ambassador Stevens was killed, and then she was killed the next day. The other reason we know that these embassies are being used for running covert operations like this is because Diljana Gaitanzieva, a Bulgarian journalist, was given the bills of lading that were hacked from the Azerbaijan embassy where um, a a weapons running program was being operated to smuggle $2 billion worth of, you know, white phosphorus, depleted uranium, and um, automatic rifles to terrorists around the Mideast. So now the U.S. is setting up in um, Venezuela to do this. We know they were smuggling weapons. Remember, the Venezuelan authorities caught this airline that had already made about 40 trips within the month after Maduro was sworn in and they had a, they were smuggling weapons into Venezuela and they were also um, tied to a CIA renditions operation that had been run previously. So, um, and then it also just came out the individual who was behind the drone assassination attempt on Maduro last year came forward and told his story of how he conducted this illegal operation from Colombia in violation of all kinds of international law. So um, this is this is an active, ongoing coup um, effort, and it's one that we really have to keep in, keep watching, especially now that the U.S. is illegally occupying that uh, embassy. So, so did the whistleblower say who put him up to it? He was hired. Yeah, he he talked about it as though you know it was perfectly reason. It was he wasn't even being a whistleblower. He was just an interviewed as the guy who did this by 
uh, CNN or one of those places. Well, who, who hired him? Uh, I, I believe it was the CIA. I can't remember now. Okay. Yeah. So now, nowadays, you know, we talk about this all the time. They used to do all this, these coups, these illegal coups in private, you know, and we wouldn't hear about any of it. Now they do it right out in the open. And yeah. with our tax dollars, and we have to sit here and watch it. And it is flaunting. Well, you know what, though, Evelyn? We are, you know, they are going to just keep doing what they're doing because they're used to getting away with it. I mean, they've never, ever, ever been stopped. Think about it. (laughs) They've been slowed down but never stopped. And so that's why they're just going on as though they expect to get away with it. But when you look even at the Christchurch shooting recently, we saw right. a law passed within 24 hours that possessing that film, the video, or sharing it would result in 14 or 20 years of prison, respectively. This was in New Zealand within 24 hours of that shooting because the the public has gotten so good at ripping that stuff apart and exposed it for the complete fraud that it was. And also that it was an Israeli-led operation. It was not some white supremacist running in there like that. This was a covert operation that was undertaken specifically with the goal of passing anti-gun legislation, which they also did within just, you know, 24 or 48 hours in in New Zealand after this happened. So... um, you know, we it makes it harder and harder and harder for these guys. And and just like in Venezuela, we exposed that humanitarian fraud, aid fraud, when we caught the guys that were working for Guaido setting the um, truck on fire. So it makes it really hard for them to get away with this stuff. And and they it and chance they it, there's a chance that they won't succeed if we're persistent enough and um, can neutralize them. I mean, we really are having an effect. And and the last thing I want to say is that one of the things that's been um, uh, undertaken by Veterans for Peace is this movement to support um, military, active duty military in resisting illegal orders. And they specifically talk about Venezuela and how to resist being deployed militarily there, where clearly there is no military um, need. And so something that I'm working on with my network is expanding that to all our um, active duty military and refusing illegal orders and working to directly affect the lives of innocent people on the ground by getting these guys to say no and, and literally save lives right there on the spot and give them a platform and a community to be supported in the face of doing something like that. So it's my you think hope the military that will listen by, to that veterans group? The name of it Don't is Veterans resist? for Peace. What? Right. And they're saying to resist any military action in Venezuela, right? Yes. Yes. You think they'll listen? I I think they will. And and I think if we do a good job of 
you know, letting um, active duty or, or potentially active duty military know that there's this movement. I think, you know, courage really is contagious. And I think once they see, just like we saw with Pizzagate, Evelyn, think about it. You know, two years ago when we were, you know, trying to figure out what was going on as a more broad community, um, once we created an environment where whistleblowers could come forward and be supported and when they were attacked, we, you know, they would get um, help from others who would defend them, think of right. all the whistleblowers that came forward in that environment. Like, it is so easy now. Someone can just come forward with their story and, and they're, they're immediately given, you know, a certain amount of credibility until proven otherwise which was com- the complete opposite of what we had two years ago. And so I think we can do the same thing with this um, active duty military and and make it so that, you know, being part of that movement is something that they, they'll want and they'll seek. So that's what we have to create for them. And, and imagine if we can get large numbers of active duty to start resisting orders. Think about what that will do to this whole machine. Right. Well, you know, the people in the military, you know, I mean, I've been so angry at them. I say these order followers that are committing this genocide all over the world for corporate profits, you know, take over these countries that I've been so mad at them. You know, anybody that would join the military and participate in this, you know, but now I hope it's right. I hope they stand up and refuse. People but just I need to be, I mean, think about it. Think about what a difference it makes for you when others, you know, speak up and, and come to your defense and, and celebrate what the work that you've done. And that's all we have to do for them, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Refuse to do these illegal coups anymore in any country. Right. Stop this. This is all right. for corporate profits, clearing the land, and then for them to go in and steal all those countries' resources. You know, it should be yeah. clear to anybody in the military by now what this is about. And I hope that they will stand up and say they will no longer do this. I mean, it's like that. What was that? Um, Smedley Butler, you know, he came yeah. out how many years ago and said this is what this is, what the yeah. United States has been doing. You know, these, these, these military have to stand up now and refuse to participate in this anymore. Yes, yes. And, and if we give them the right environment in which to do that, it will happen. Good. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. That would be the best thing. And another thing, this bit about Syria, you know, with Trump taking the troops out and stuff, and then him out there with this map showing where, how thick IS was in Syria before he came into office, and now he's taking them all out. That is such <laughs> bullshit. Putin took them out. And, uh, well, we the were Syrian Arab them, Army. Terrorists. Pardon? Yeah. It was the Syrian Arab Army with the help of Putin. But, you know, Putin had, had, didn't have any, um, or no, it was Iran. Uh, but they, they sent mostly officers and, um, consultants, commanders, pe- you know, advisory people. And then it was the Syrian Arab Army that actually carried out all of the, um, attacks. And, and they're, they're going after these last holdouts in Idlib, and they're very actively um, attacking the terrorists still in Syria. So um, they're not gone. And the U.S. is still actively supporting the terrorists in Syria. So um, he's 
completely full of shit. And ha- no. and in fact, in fact, he just pledged another five million dollars to the White Helmets, which is part of the terrorist operation in Syria. Oh man, yeah, he's very disappointing in in Syria, and and another yep. area that he's disappointing in is uh, this vaccine problem that we're having with this mandating vaccines. Yep. Now, uh, Robert F. Kennedy says he's not invited to the White House anymore to discuss the vaccine issue. Oh, wow. And we were so oh, excited wow. when Trump was campaigning, you know, that that uh, Robert F. Kennedy said, you know, that Trump was going to have him in there, you know, to, I don't know, to put together some kind of committee or something to overlook these mandated vaccines and stuff. And now it was just yesterday or the day before he came out, he's now disinvited. So he's not going to be. And, you know, they, they're blocking everything about the harmful vaccines on the internet now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, they're going to force this, they're going to force this mandatory vaccine thing on the population. And I think this is going to, this is going to cause a revolution among parents. I really do because they're taking away all their exemptions. So even people, even children that have already been harmed from vaccines and everything will not be excused from getting those poisons shot up into them. Wow. It really is. This is so scary. It really is. So scary. It, it, it's terrifying. Yeah. And the media is all, you know, all behind them. You know, of course, they're they're funded by the pharmaceutical industry. We all know that. So they say, and so they put out all these stories, you know, about there's all these epidemics and stuff that are caused from pe- parents not vaccinating their kids and everything. And when you really track it down, these epidemics, if there's, if there's measles outbreaks or in these diseases, they've already been vaccinated. They're already vaccinated. All of them. Children. Yes. Yes, in every case. So he, yep. Yeah, but the mainstream media doesn't say that. They make it sound like nope. it's from the parents that aren't vaccinating the children. Right. Well, I'll tell you, the, the parents are angry enough that there will be a definite revolution because they will not force parents to poison their own children with them vaccines when we know what they are causing. I mean, we've discussed this on other shows. We had the sickest generation of children in the world of any developed country and it's all because of these vaccines that they're forcing on people yep and you know you, yeah, you described before how much money the, the vaccine industry pays these quacks to poison our yeah. children you know yep. i wrote an article a while back and it was between 50 and 80 percent of their income pediatricians incomes comes from poisoning our children with these vaccines and then yep. and then there's the other explain that other amount that they give that they give the um, the doctors that that get your all the kids vaccinated, right? Well, there's a, a whole program by which if you achieve a certain percentage of vaccination among your patient population, you get these bonuses, federal bonuses, and many pedi- um, pediatric practices are heavily dependent on getting those bonuses every year. So they'll push their patients as hard as they have to to get to meet those minimums. Isn't it something like forty or eighty thousand or something that they get? It, it's something year when they... like that. It's a huge amount of money. I, I I can't remember the amount exactly, but I do know that um, the vast majority of practices are if they miss getting that. Um, payment, then they can't continue their practices. So, um, you know, it's the, the whole industry is set up so that 
everyone is dependent on sustaining it, and yet it's killing us. I mean, you look at SIDS deaths didn't even come into existence until our children started being vaccinated. I mean, they, there were babies who would die in their cribs, but it wasn't something that happened often enough. And for, uh, you know, it would be an obvious reason why the child would die. They didn't, wouldn't just be healthy one moment and then dead the next, which is what happens with these infants. And it's from the toxic effects of the vaccinations. And, you know, I'm glad glad you brought that up because I know that most people don't realize that, that those crib deaths that were wrote off to be in crib deaths, that no, they were caused by the vaccines. And most people don't realize that. Oh, yeah. In countries like the U.S., you know, has the highest vaccination rate among around the world of children and um, not just the highest rate, the highest number of vaccines per child. And it also has the highest infant mortality rate and the highest rate of infant, sudden infant death. So, I I mean, you know, how is it that these vaccines are making our children healthier when more of our children are dying, even though they're getting these treatments, you know? So, what are you, where's the problem then? Why isn't it working? Well, it's just a big, it's just a big <laughs> racketeering complex with the medical yeah. industrial complex. You know, yep. they vaccinate these children, then these children get all sick, and they got to have all these other drugs and doctors' appointments stuff. It's just one big racket yep. that they've got going with this vaccine market. And uh, I don't know. If, well, it's hard for people to wake up because the mainstream media, you know, lies all the time. Yeah, You know, I was watching yeah. a, a video with Joe Rogan the other day, and he had a guy on there about vaccines and asking about vaccines. That guy said that only, at the time he said, only one person out of a million children that get vaccinated suffer any injury. Oh, my well, This God. is insane. I mean, my God, if you go to the uh, CDC website and look on their, their vaccine chart, you can see all the people that have died have been injured for the whole year on this chart. And one in a million, he's telling Joe Rogan and telling the audience this. Well, there's you know, that hardly any children are hurt by vaccines. Yeah. This is such, yeah. So much lies. They paid out over $4 billion. But people understand that in the 80s, they, they made it so those vaccine makers can't be sued. And so they set up this vaccine court in the government. And, and, and it's not funded by the vaccine industry. I think it comes out of our tax dollars. These, yes, well, they paid does. out over $4 billion for injuries. Yeah. And, and only between 1% and 10% of injuries are ever reported to the, to the vaccine court. So here we are. Over $4 billion paid out for injuries from these vaccines. And only 1% to 10% ever even report them to begin with. So imagine the people... The kids that have been harmed by these vaccines, harmed and oh, killed. Right. <clears throat> yes, and you, you know, talking about the safety. Remember, and, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He sued the Department of Health and Human Services, and only to discover that, you know, the the one requirement, um, key requirement for being given immunity was that the um, Department of Health and Human Services supply Congress with. Uh, vaccine safety study surveys every two years. You know, this is for more than 30 years that they've been required to do this in order to demonstrate the safety of vaccines. And not to mention that 
you know, the number of vaccines that are now recommended by the CDC has like tripled or quadrupled. It's like over 70 now. And um, they have not done a single one ever. Right. Not one have they ever, they've never determined the safety of vaccines. Not one. No. And the American public will will never hear this. I mean, um, Robert F. Kennedy came out, you know, and reported this and everything, but now they're, they're censoring everything on the Internet so people can't see this kind of stuff. So most Americans will never even hear this, that they've not done one single test on those vaccines since the 1980s when they've added countless vaccines, and they were supposed to give them every two years, and they've not done one test to show that this, these vaccines are safe given to our children. Much less in, is, like, you know, four or five, you know, combined at a time. I mean, my God. Oh right, no you know, um, does that. My, this good friend of mine, she didn't, she didn't believe that how how many of these shots these babies are getting. You know, when I told them, they hold them down and give them like four shots at one time at like three months old. And I went online and I found I found this um, video of just countless examples of parents having their children vaccinated, and it showed this holding them children down. I mean, it's like Satanists punching these yeah. big needles in two in each leg. I mean, some of these kids even have have uh, go, go into convulsions when they're being held down like this. I'm telling you, I'm a former counselor, and I did a lot of family counseling, and this is satanic ritual abuse to do this to children. I'll guarantee you that those children are going to be affected by this all their life. These horrors yeah. of being held down by their parents and jabbed with these needles, and they do it at yeah. three months, six months, nine months, and 12 months. These babies yep. are going to remember. They're not probably even going to remember what happened to them? But they are going to be traumatized from this, being held down like yeah. that and stuffed the needles in them like that. It's just awful. Just awful. Yeah. And the media supports supports this full pledge ahead. As long as they're getting their paychecks, they don't care. Absolutely. I mean, it's horrifying. Absolutely. Yep. So anyway, so let's itself. move into Oh yes, yes. Um let's move into this uh this Epstein case. I mean, this is this is horrible. You know, the judge had uh, had ruled that uh, that that plea deal was done illegally. You know, back in um, back in two thousand eight, that let, let Epstein off the hook with only well, he's supposed to have eighteen months in prison, but he only ended up staying thirteen months, and he had on a closed area where they kept him, and he was left out. He was only stayed there about six hours a day. They left him out, and he was allowed to travel all over as a sex offender. Yeah. Allowed to travel yeah. all over. And then I was just, I just found out that, um, here back when they did that agreement, they made it, they made it so that, um, that Epstein wouldn't have to be listed as a sex offender by pulling this stunt where they, um, instead of listing the original girl that was, um, 15, 14 or 15 when she first came to the cops, they stuck in a girl as a complainant as a 16 year old. So in some states, um, 16 isn't underage. So in many oh, states, wow. he's not listed as a, he doesn't have to be listed as a sex offender. And they said, well, he wasn't that much of a, a high risk. Oh, really? And they said well, he wasn't trafficking. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't trafficking children in different states or anything. Yes, he was. He trafficked those girls all over the world. You know, so he's not a high risk offender. Oh, really? He's supplying these girls to all the world elite and 
Hollywood stars and everything and, and on a global level. Yeah. And he doesn't have to be listed as a, a sex offender in certain states. And, you know, he yeah. has these he has these homes in all these different states. Yeah. So in some of them, and he was carrying out this sex trafficking rat line all over his homes. You know, in New Mexico, in, Par- in Paris, in the U.K., in, Fran- in, in Paris, France, and down there on that Epstein Island, and down there at his mansion in Miami. I mean, he was mm-hmm. trafficking these girls all over the whole globe, supplying them. Yep. To the pedophiles. So anyhow, they are fighting like mad to not have these these documents released. You know, the judge said that these documents would be released. And he also said that, that Dershowitz is involved in this global, international child yeah, yeah. trafficking ring. And of course... You said as uh, many as two dozen girls? Two dozen. Well, um, yeah, well, his lawyer, um, the victim's lawyer said back on in a press conference in 2015... That he has a universe of 24 girls that Dershowitz may have sexually abused. And then I was looking over the um, the depositions that were taken by uh, different people over the years. And I was looking at uh, ones that were taken by Epstein's witnesses. Those would have been the procurers, the, that Sarah Kellen and, and these other girls that he had that would round up these these girls, you know, to bring mm-hmm. the guys to sexually abuse. And, um, and they, they all took the fifth when they're asked about Epstein. I mean, asked about Dershowitz. Every one of them wow. took the fifth, wouldn't wow. answer questions. Now, the question is here, um, the simple answer would be, if he wasn't involved with having right. sex with these underage girls, would have been no. Yeah. Not taking the fifth that you won't answer. Yep. If the you answer know, is I mean, no, then is, just say so. You, well, exactly. you, and obviously the answer is not no. And that's why you're not saying so. <laughs> no, no. And of course, Incredible. you know they want to keep bringing this down that this is that that um, Trump is involved in this. You know, and I talked about this last week that I listened to this um, interview of the victim's attorney too, and he said that back in 2009 he sent out subpoenas to a bunch of different people he thought had knowledge of this international sex ring at Epstein's. You know, and he said the only one that contacted him was Trump. And he called him on oh, the phone right. personally and told him, you know, we don't need any subpoena or anything. I'll talk to you. I'll give you as much time as you need. You know, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. And so he said that Trump did that and that he, he and he said in the end that Trump helped the investigation, that he wasn't involved in this sex trafficking network, you know. So now that Trump's in office, you know, they want to turn this thing around and put it all back on him. Well, that's that's really a farce, you know, well, you know, they're using the fact that his labor secretary is the one that pulled this deal off, you know, but he pulled this deal off back in 2007, 2008. And those were the people in power that, and Mueller is the one behind this. Mueller has his hands in everything, you know, and you know how we were talking about that. um, People said that Epstein got off because he was a, um, he was a FBI informant. Everything. Yeah. Well, it, well, I just read an article that said that they tracked and everything that he was not. He never was an FBI informant. I have, I you know, Evelyn, I'd be really interested to see that because I could swear I don't remember where I got that information, but it was from a, le- a set of legal documents um, that I, I recall reading that Epstein turned out, you know, someone in 
the process discovered that he was a an FBI informant. So I I, I wouldn't write that off so fast. I'd be really interested to see it because um, I don't have corroboration from that one piece of evidence that I was using. It just was credible enough to me to um, rely upon. But uh, I, I'd be interested to know, you know, uh, the story behind the claim that he's not part of it, too. It may be, but that's just like, wow, it doesn't fit. And I'm really interested that that came out. Sure. Well, I'll get to that. You know, back when the judge um, ruled that that plea deal was, you know, not legal and everything, well, Epstein's mm-hmm. legal team put out a, a, a thing in, in the, in, uh, where was it? I think it was in the Wall Street Journal. This kills me, too, how they can always do this. Putting out that it was fair. You know, that it was a fair deal and everything. Wow. And so, oh, yeah. So that was on March 5th. And then... um so then I'm looking down here, I'm looking for that article where I found, um, where they said that they did the investigation. Um, oh, it was Fox Business News did the investigation. It said that uh, Epstein was a witness against Wall Street. They said, they said that he wasn't. He said that uh, shows that Epstein did not provide any meaningful cooperation to obtain his relatively light sentence in the hedge fund case or likely any case tied to the financial crisis, according to numerous people with direct knowledge of the matter. In fact, Epstein's cooperation with prosecutors does not appear to extend beyond supplying state and federal investigators with information involving his own case. So the revelation, which has yet to be reported, is a product of interviews with dozens of people involved in Epstein's case from former prosecutors, various lawyers, and when it comes down to it, Epstein didn't give him anything. So what is what is um, Mueller out here saying that for? You know, that's the excuse. Well, that, also, uh, why we, would he get that kind of a deal if he wasn't? <laughs> that's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me, is that, you know, you don't get out of child sex trafficking charges if you're not a billionaire or you don't have dirt on somebody. I mean, I just. I, I I think there's more to there's some there's no way he would have gotten out of that without it. You know what I'm saying? Like we, right. it does it it doesn't stand to reason. No, no. And the thing about it is why they don't want this unsealed is all the names that are going to be involved in this case. This will be the summary judgment motion, and it will it will it will give the details all the people that these girls that Epstein made him have sex with. And they, yeah. now um, over in the United Kingdom, Prince Andrew, Prince Andrew is up in arms again because these, these documents are released and they will tell everything. I mean, these, are, these contain affidavits from the victims. They will describe who they had sex with, where they had sex with them. Um, yeah. Virginia Roberts says with Prince Andrew, that was international. He had sex with him down, in, um, down at the Virgin Islands. Um, Epstein's place, and then in New York, and then over in England. So three times they had sex with with uh, Prince Andrew, and it was international trafficking. You know, they mm. flew her from she was underage. They flew her from you know down there to the Virgin Islands, then to New York, then over to England. You know, and and the the thing is, this case, this Gusland Maxwell, you know, she would be the ones that would would set all this up like the reservation right. for planes and 
their rooms and all this kind of stuff, you know, for her part in it. And so she's the one that, you know, that, that um, Virginia Roberts had sued her because Virginia Roberts was, or Grizzly Maxwell was out there saying that she was a liar and everything. So she sued her. Well, that case got settled and it wasn't revealed, but now they want all those documents revealed. And they will give, it'll be just like in the Michael Jackson case, that witness testified, they gave all the places that Michael Jackson took him, all the hotels, all the different countries, and the rooms in the hotels. This will all be in those documents. So all the girls, all the w- women that have been raped will say in those documents which which celebrity, you know, world leader, uh, CEO, or whatever they had sex with that, that Epstein made them have sex with. So imagine how many people are really crapping their pants right now. And so they are working like mad to keep that hidden. Now, the night before those records were supposed to be released, um, two lawyers filed, the very night before, filed um, a motion to block the release. Now, one of them says they represent a victim. Okay. And that, in that case, um, that's a John Doe. Okay. I mean, in in that case, that's Nick Lewin. He represents uh, just a regular person. Okay. Well, when you look down, he is FBI special count. He was FBI special counsel to Robert Mueller and former uh, FBI director James Comey. This is the lawyer that filed that the night before these documents were supposed to be released. So who is he covering for? I mean, all these people in that in that plea agreement, all the all of them got immunity. And they were not named. Nobody knew the names of all the people that were given immunity in this plea agreement. So Jeffrey Epstein not only got away with trafficking all these girls and everything, all of his associates and all of his procurers and everything got immunity too, so we didn't know anything about them. So now they are really desperate. I can see the victim wanting you know, to keep her, her name private and stuff. I can understand right. that. But but um, not this other person, because who knows which one it is, which one of these right. perverts is set to be exposed that they are trying so hard. But Mueller's always in the middle of everything. Now, this lawyer yep. is, in, is worked with him and, and James Comey. I mean, this is awful. You know, and Virginia Roberts says that they can delete out the name of the victim and everything, but release the rest. Right. You know. So, so uh, Dershowitz is out here. He puts a, an editorial out um, saying he wants to invest. Alan Dershowitz, the FBI, investigate me, please. And then he wants to investigate the woman that's uh, charging him, too. This, and he's right back to his right. old tricks, sitting there saying that, you know, what they did back when they were investigating, Dershowitz hired private investigators and everything to go find out dirt on these girls, and then they put it out in the press that these girls were liars and dope addicts and all this kind of stuff. Well, if they went on to be dope addicts, they became dope addicts because of what these people put them through, you know. But he's back out here again saying the girl, the second girl that's accusing him is a liar and all this kind of stuff, you know. And so he wants the FBI to investigate them. But it just kills me. They get in the, put these editorials and stuff in the mainstream media, in like the Wall Street Journal and New York Times and everything. And I miss them because I don't subscribe to those papers. So... You know, I almost miss it. Yeah. Well, this is crazy, it, you but filing this the night before, you know. But this yeah. is going to break open, and these people are all going to be. We, we're going to stay on it. We're not letting this go down. No way. I'm with well, you, Evelyn. Well, time again, Trish. 
Yes. So thank you so much, Trish. <laughs> and thank we'll you, Evelyn. Okay. Oh, okay. See you next week, we'll see you next week people. Bye-bye. Bye.